Hey, welcome to Freeway Church Online. We're glad that you are with us today. Check out this message. It is from our Sunday service. <laughs> so this is this is our Found It series, the first day of our Found It series. So if you're visiting us today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Again, my name is Alyssa. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have agreed to speak periodically a few times a year. Yes, I have. So here I am. I'm doing it. It is not my strong suit, but I feel like I am getting a little more comfortable with it. So that's good. So I'm here. It's happening. It's happening. And I get to speak to you today about something really cool. Today, if you feel like joy is one of the things that's been lost in your life, then you're in luck because today I get to talk about finding joy. Finding joy. Now, what are some moments or memories that you think of when you describe joy? Because joy is one of those feelings that's best described with examples, right? So, I find joy on the faces of my kids when I bring home seasonal maple leaf cream cookies. Has anyone ever had these cookies? Oh my gosh, they're so good, you guys. They have them at Aldi and Trader Joe's and I think maybe Meyer. I don't know. But we love these things. And I, we, we found them at the store the other day and we brought them home and my kids were so excited. But you can imagine the devastation then on their faces when literally the next day they come to find someone has mysteriously finished off the entire package of maple leaf cookies. Someone, a mystery person in the house. Um, And uh, then we go to the store and they're gone. They're out of stock already, you guys. They're that good. So if you get your hands on them and you want to find some joy, these maple leaf cream cookies, so good. I find joy in using um, the unicorn plates we use in our women's small group on Tuesday nights. You know, it's, so, it's just so silly. They're just these paper cl- plates that are a unicorn head. But every time I see them, they make me smile. Because <laughs> it's just so ridiculous that these grown women are using unicorn plates to eat their snacks. So um, I find joy there. I find joy on Christmas morning, right, when my children are finally, finally given permission to stampede down the stairs and find all of the gifts left for them under the tree, right? Joy on their faces, pure joy. And you'll notice that in all these circumstances, joy is found, right? It's found. And see, I think that that's a key because I'm convinced that joy is kind of like a kid playing hide and seek. And not only does it need to be found, it wants to be found, okay? And just like a, cho- a child, joy is often found just hiding in plain sight. I, um, I had the opportunity to be a guest at Freeway Youth last week. Yep, Freeway Youth, we love them. They're a little scarce in the house. Come on, represent. Freeway Youth, come on. That's right, you need a theme song too. Can you sing All I Do Is Win, Win? No? Okay. Caleb's good. Okay. But no, I got to go. It was really fun. And um, they got to grill me with questions. Yay. And, um, <laughs> but I was really having some trouble, like, recalling uh, 
my past because I'm, I don't have the best memory. Some people can recall like every single thing that happened to them, right? And I was having some trouble remembering some things. Um, but as I was trying to talk about the background of my life a little bit, I was remembering as I was asked a question about this time in my life where I had a crisis of faith. And it wasn't even that long ago. I was already an adult. I had my three kids, and um, but I found myself in significant emotional pain. See, we were in transition um, out of Massachusetts, and it was really clear that change was upon us, but what change that would be was really uncertain. We didn't know what was ahead. And in the midst of this waiting period, I was experiencing this deep loss, and I found myself facing the biggest trial I'd ever experienced. I have only one key verse for you today, but um, it's a doozy. You're welcome. Uh, this is in uh, James 1, it's two through three. It says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us to be in this room together in community, to not only learn about you, but to experience you, to worship you, and to just um, bask in your goodness today and in your faithfulness. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us through this message. Lord, let these words not be mine, but your own, and speak to every person in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. There's, a, there's something important to note here in this verse. A few things, really. But notice this phrase, when you fall into various trials, the word trials is sometimes translated into the English language and might be in some of your Bibles as temptations. Um, but it can be a little confusing because when we think of the word temptations, we think of something very different than what this word's original meaning should suggest. So here, it signifies affliction, persecution, or trial of any kind. So anything you're going through. And the word fall is not to be translated like one slowly stepping into sin, right? Or like a frog that's like sitting in the water and doesn't know that it's boiling until it's too late, right? It's not like that, okay? It is, this word, it means plunged, as in you are completely surrounded and there is no escaping it. And James, <laughs> half-brother to Jesus, who didn't believe he was the Messiah until after the resurrection, most likely, and a martyr for his faith, and historically known to have knees like a camel because he was always praying, <laughs> that this James, he asks us, to find joy in the midst of our being plunged into a trial that we're caught completely off guard by. Have you ever been there before? With one phone call, your whole life is now at risk. With one word, your livelihood is threatened. Within a moment, everything you've ever known to be true is questioned. I mean, that feels like a tall order to me, James. 
<laughs> he goes on referring to this situation as something that will test our faith and produce patience in us. But I mean, James, I am really not that interested in patience. I mean, I might have prayed for it once or twice, you know, but like, that's just what people say. It's just a thing people say, so I don't really mean it, right? <laughs> Like this is, these are the things we do when we read these scriptures and suddenly they apply to us, right? But let's continue hacking into this verse because if we're going to be given such cultural, uh, can't talk, counter cultural shifting charges for a situation like this, we have to understand all of this correctly. David Guzik He's my blue letter Bible commentary writing hero. He says <laughs> that um, he reminds us that, that in this verse it says, Faith is tested through trials, not produced by trials. Trials reveal what faith we do have. Not because God doesn't know how much faith we have, but so that our faith will be evident to ourselves and to those around us. We notice that faith is tested, right? It's faith that's tested. And it, what it shows us is that faith is important and it's precious because only precious things are tested this thoroughly. Charles Spurgeon says, faith is as vital to salvation as the heart is vital to the body. Hence, the javelins of the enemy are mainly aimed at this essential grace. Well, if it was my faith that was being tested back in those days when my world was imploding in, it was most certainly shaken. I mean, what happened to all those songs about having a firm foundation in Jesus, right? And building my house on the rock. And in Christ I stand, you know? I guess I was just singing songs. <laughs> because here's what happened, all right? After my guard was down. These are the questions that happen next. Why does God allow suffering in the world? Why do good things happen to good people? Why won't he take this pain away from me? What have I done to deserve this? God, this isn't fair. God, are you even there? And that last question I answered first. I concluded that yes, God was in fact there. That much I could believe in because I had experienced enough of his presence and faithfulness that I couldn't deny his existence. There was just too much I couldn't explain away, right? Too much to ignore if I was going to choose a godless belief system. So that question might have been a little easier to answer. But these other questions, they plagued me, and I wrestled through them, ultimately concluding that God is, in fact, not in control of the decisions people make. Therefore, he doesn't cause the consequences of sin in the world. That when allowing free will, he also allowed the possibility that the world he intended for us would not look the way he wanted, which was in fact what happened. As sin entered the world, the paradise God made for us was no more. 
We only experience bits and pieces of the wonder he intended for us. I learned that God grieved with me, not from afar like an empathetic person telling you that they know what you're going through, but really, truly grieved as I grieved and more, as if the grief was his own. Because his love for me is greater than my own love for myself. Can you imagine someone loving you that way? And although I always read the verses, right, about the rain falling on the just and the unjust and all of those things, I realized it was all well and good to recite all those verses as fact until there came a day when those verses were talking about me. Bad things happen to us. God doesn't want them to. He doesn't allow your dad to get cancer. He doesn't let your child die. It's not his plan for you and your spouse to get divorced. These things are a consequence of free will. And though at times it may not seem the pain sin has caused is worth the freedom to love, we must ask ourselves if love is even love at all if there's no choice involved, right? So it's, it's worth it. Excuse my whole sidebar, but man, is all of that so important to grasp? Because even after all of my questions, or a lot of my questions, I should say, were answered, and I had some time on my side to heal, I still struggled. How many of you know You can do all the right things. You can read the Bible verses. You can rally your community around you. You can get therapy. You can get medication. You can do all the things to set yourself up for success. But you still may not be able to find joy. We're asked to consider our trials a joy. But without practice, joy can be hard to find. Sometimes, if you're playing hide-and-seek, and you're playing with multiple children, okay, you can find an advantage. If you're playing with a child that's, let's say, around four years old, okay, that child is going to be easy to find, right? Unless, of course, um, you're at a party, and there's another four-year-old, and they decide to hide together, you'll never find them then. Um, Or (laughs) if um, you're running late, you're not going to find that (laughs) four-year-old. But say say you're just playing a normal, innocent game, and a four-year-old is playing. Here's what's going to happen. That four-year-old is going to be in the hallway when you go to look for them, right? You're going to walk up the stairs, and there they'll be, hiding in plain sight, not really hiding at all. Or they'll be talking, and there's a leg hanging out of the closet, right? (laughs) They're easy to find. And here's the advantage. If you find the four-year-old, you're going to be able to find the older children too because that four-year-old will lead you right to where they are. They have no shame. They are now on your team, right? That's how it works. And here's what I believe. I believe that joy is like the older sibling that may be hard to find, but that four-year-old that will lead you to joy 
is gratitude. Let me show you something. This is um, Anne Voskamp from her book, 1,000 Gifts. She says, the face of Jesus flashes. Jesus, the God-man, with his own termination date. Jesus, the God-man who came to save me from prisons of fear and guilt and depression and sadness. With an expiration of less than 12 hours, what does Jesus count as almost important? And he took bread, he gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them. We did that today, didn't we? Some of you are hungry and you're thinking, I could use some more oyster crackers. <laughs> right? But what does he do for real? What does he do? He gives thanks. Back to Anne, she says, the root word of Eucharisteo is charis, meaning grace. Jesus took the bread and saw it as grace and gave thanks. He took the bread and knew it to be gift and gave thanks. But there is more, and I read it. Eucharist, thanksgiving, envelops the Greek word for grace, charis. But it also holds its derivative, the Greek word kara, meaning joy. Jesus shows us we need these things. We need grace. We need thanksgiving. We need joy. And here's the fun part. After all the Greek words and all the big looming questions that I asked that made you squirm in your seat, right? <laughs> all of these things. The, the next part here, it's so simple. We don't have to do anything for grace. Jesus takes care of that for us. In Romans 3.24, it says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jamie, you can come on up. Grace is a gift you've been given. Just receive it. That's your role, your only actionable step on the road to finding joy. Give thanks. Give thanks for the grace Christ has given you. Give thanks for anything and everything you can find. Find anything at all to be grateful for. God, I thank you for my legs. They help me to walk. I thank you for the breeze that cools me off when I'm hot. I thank you for my cup of coffee, that it's warm, that I can afford one. Because here's what happens when you start this thankfulness train. You start by grabbing the low-hanging gratitude fruit and it moves on, right? It can just keep going because what happens is that there's no end to it. You'll be waiting longer than a lifetime for it to end. And just as the testing of our faith produces patience, you know, is that a whole other message, right? <laughs> our gratitude produces joy. It's impossible to complain while being filled with gratitude. It's impossible to look at your situation as hopeless when you're thankful for everything that surrounds you. I'm telling you, it works. It is that simple. 
go ahead and thumb through the New Testament. I mean, read your Bible. You guys, I know it can be overwhelming at times, and we've turned it into this legalistic thing that we check off, but it is not just any book. It's a book that's alive. It is alive. And you can read a passage 10 times, and every time you read it, you can learn something new. It's just that amazing. But if you read this New Testament, okay, you'll find pastors and leaders and mentors and all of these influential authors of the Bible who are filled with joy. They are praying for their enemies. They are singing praises while in chains. And do you know what the common denominator is between all of them? They are all giving thanks. They're all doing it. They're thanking God in the midst of their inconceivably dire circumstances, they are thanking the Lord. They are finding things to be thankful for. None of us in this room are in physical chains right now. Surely we can find something to be thankful for. Surely we can be on a path towards joy. We can do this too. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I have done this multiple times in my life. It often starts really small. And that's okay. Because it grows, and it grows quickly. And we become strong again because of what he's done for us, because of the grace he's given us. I'll often start my gratitude practices thanking Jesus for all that he's done for me. I may have thought I had it all together with my self-righteous perfectionism, right? But when faced with pain and uncertainty, I was confronted with my hard heart. But God, right? What are you facing today? Have you given it to Jesus? Have you, really? Have you accepted his grace for you? If you could stand, I'm going to have us all bow our heads and close our eyes because I have a question for you. A couple questions. With every head bowed and every eye closed, have you ever accepted Jesus, the grace that Jesus is offering you? It is a free gift. He died in your place so that the shame and guilt that plagues you can be wiped clean. The Bible says that we're justified through Christ. Justified as in just as I had never sinned. If that's you and you've never accepted that freedom that Jesus offers and you want to do that today, would you just raise your hand? Some of you are in the middle of a situation that you are plunged into. It's out of your control and you feel like you're drowning in it. Maybe it's been so long since you found joy, you've forgotten what it even feels like. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? 
I've given you such a practical application for this message. These are my favorite types of messages, the ones with really clear action steps. So if you raise your hand for either of these things, or maybe you just want to spend some time at the altar, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come. And I want you to know that there's nothing special about this altar. It's just a symbolic place that we're able to use in order to take a step of faith or intentionally pray to the Lord. But there's something special that happens when we take a step forward. So don't be afraid to come down. Jamie's going to play, and after, uh, after I pray, you can come on up if that's you or if you need to receive the Lord's blessing today in your life, or maybe you just need to thank him. Let's pray. Jesus, some of us need your grace. All of us in this room need your grace. I need your grace every single day. Without it, I can't survive. So God, we thank you for your grace. I thank you for every person in this room today, whether they're filled with joy or they're lacking it completely. Lord, I thank you that you provide a path towards the joy, the joy of the Lord. Because God, you've created this world with such wonder and you desire for us to delight in it. So God, I pray for every person in this place. Lord, would you speak to their hearts? Would you fill them with gratitude? And in doing so, would you give them your joy? In Jesus' name. Hey, we're glad you joined us today on the podcast. We are praying for you. So please let us know what we can do. Uh, We're on your team, always here. So um, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.